I wanna, I'm Bo Stern, Brady, and I wanna start with a dad joke. Um, and the middle school, I consulted them. I had consultants on this because I'm not great at dad jokes. There's a reason. There's a reason I'm telling one and there's also a reason I'm not great at them. I'm not a dad. Um, why doesn't the seagull fly over the bay? Because it would be a bagel. <laughs> why were the Israelites still rude after God gave them food? They had bad manners. <laughs> Thank you, Evan Brady. I love you. <laughs> Telling you a dad joke because this Saturday is the men's breakfast. That's why. <laughs> And I just wanted you to come prepared to understand what that's going to entail for you, probably just a whole lot. That's, I've never been to a men's event, so I just assume that's what they do, right? They tell dad jokes and, and eat food and stuff. So this Saturday is the men's breakfast. You need to come to that. It's going to be a great time. Bring your sons. Bring your friends. It's going to be good. And then um, this Wednesday is shelter night. Last week, we talked a lot about recognizing a holy moment and being able to sort of take off your shoes and settle into that moment without running away from it too quickly. And shelter is a great night for that. This week's theme for shelter is anchored. We have been really singing this over and over again as a staff, just in church. I put my anchor to the ground. I sink my anchor into truth. We can look around all over and see people that are swaying and wobbling. And we want to believe that God is a good, good anchor. So we're going to look at that. We're really going to look at the anchor that is God and the anchor that is truth on Wednesday night. And then um, March 19th, next Sunday, there is a parent Q&R. And it is around the issue of kids and technology an issue I really didn't have to deal with much raising kids, but it is a big deal now. I just read a survey this week or a study this week that said that they can. That there's been this huge plummeting drop off a cliff in terms of teens and depression, and it can be traced exactly to the evolution of cell phones in every pocket. And so if you have kids or grandkids and you wanna know more about this issue, how to put boundaries, how to use technology for good in your kids' lives, um, this is a great time for that. So there will be uh, an expert there and then a panel of people who are really trying to do it right. So that's next Sunday. You can find all of that on the World Wide Web at beforechurch.org. Um, I am the director of spiritual formation here at, at Before, and it's funny because I filled out some insurance paperwork recently, and when it said job title, I was like, director of spiritual formation, and the person was like, what is that? I'm like, you know, it's <laughs> I'm just trying to help people become more like God. I don't know. Um, but it is what I do and it is what I love. And, and what I do think spiritual formation is, is it starts with a sentence. I like to have in my life formation sentences. And they just go simply like this. I want to become the kind of person who fill in the blank. I want, to become, I want to become the kind of person who doesn't melt down in anxious situations. I want to become the kind of person who loves my enemies. I want to become the kind of person who gives generously rather than living in a spirit of scarcity. I want to become the kind of person who is a really good grandmother, who understands legacy. I want to become the kind of person who prays when the chips are down. That kind of thing. A lot of times we've looked at spiritual formation. At, in fact, if you look it up online, it'll usually tell you spiritual formation is read your Bible, pray, 
fast, give, join a community group. These are all great things, but I would submit to you that they are tools in the arsenal of becoming a certain kind of person. And as we determine what it is I want to be, as I have a formation sentence that I say, I want to change the ickiness of myself into something beautiful. I want to become more than I am right now. As we begin to look at that and say, I've got a vision for my life, then I can start to draw from scripture and from prayer and from giving and from community. And I can start to apply that to my decisions and my relationships and my thoughts and my feelings. As I orient my feelings and thoughts and decisions around the person and purpose of Jesus Christ, that means I am becoming formed into his image. And I'm not just becoming formed into his image, I'm also becoming formed more into the image of the bow I was always created to be. Because we're not interested in the homogenization of Christianity. We're not trying to make every person look like a pastor standing on the stage. We're not trying to make every person look like each other. We, we tend to get caught in that in, in Christendom. We read a good book and then we want to become like that author. We hear a good sermon and we want to become like that pastor. That is missing the point entirely of a God who created trees and mountains and skeletal systems and ecosystems thinking he would want one kind of human he has created inside of you very particular gifts, very particular talents, very particular passions that meld with the truth and the good and the beauty of him. It's called the Imago Dei, and it is embedded inside each one of you. It is inside everybody. You know, there is not a single person that has ever been created in all of history or any of the 8 billion people now who has been created in any other image than the image of God. We are all created in the image of God, but the image of God, I'm gonna represent a piece of his love that is different than the piece of his love I see in you. And so we need everyone to bring their gifts to the game. We need everyone to bring this beauty inside of them to the game. You really can't, I don't believe the Imago Dei can be taken from you, but I do believe, in fact, I know it because I've experienced it myself. It can be covered over by so many things. It can be covered over by hurts, and sin, and mistakes, and distraction, and getting your ladder up against the wrong wall. It can just be covered over by so many things, but the Imago Dei can also be excavated. It can be drawn out. It can be pulled out, and, and you can begin to live out of it. And so out of that desire, one of my spiritual formation sentences for my life this year is I wanna be the kind of person who blesses other people. I wanna be the kind of person who easily and generously and without running them through the grid of whether or not they deserve it, blesses people. I wanna be a blessing in my world. Blessing as a word has been so overused that I think it's lost its power and it can almost seem weak now or disingenuous and will bless her heart could mean something other than bless her heart. Could mean she steps on puppies, but bless her heart. It could mean something good and true, but often we've just, we've diluted this word down. 
I found myself recently that whenever I meet anyone, I meet them and I immediately say, bless you. Almost like you just sneezed. I don't know. It's just, it's just the thing that I say. And I don't think there's a, a lot of weight behind it in my heart. And I'm starting to think I don't want to change that habit. I want to change the weight that it comes from. I want to change the meaning. And I want to mean it when I say it. It's not just a filler word. Um, the concept of both receiving and giving a spiritual blessing is powerful. And the word of God, I'm telling you, is loaded with it. One, one version of the word blessing is in the Bible over 500 times. And there are many versions of blessing and favor. Listen to this first verse out of Genesis. We just, we're just right out of the gate. God is a God of blessings. So God created the great sea creatures and every living thing that moves with which the waters teemed according to their kinds and every bird of flight after its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God blessed them. So he had made them. But now this is a distinct and different act. Now he blesses them. So then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters of the seas and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. A couple of verses later, God blesses mankind. He creates humanity and he blesses them and says to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and every creature that crawls upon the earth. God blessed his creation. In fact, stop for a second and realize that you are sitting in the very same creation that God blessed. You are the very same creation that God blessed. You live beneath the banner of God's powerful blessing. Blessing means a generous gift of peace. God blessed you and you live in it. And so uh, do we need to argue that there's, the world doesn't feel blessed? Do you need me to stand on this stage and tell you how bad this stuff is? Because I could, but ew. I mean, I get it. There's bad in the world. There's bad in humans. There's bad in me. I get that. I watch CNN. I've got it. First John, the whole world lies under the sway of the evil one. But that means the world is subject, the world is susceptible to the influence of the evil one, but we remain blessed by God. We are blessed. We are blessed coming in. We are blessed going out. We are blessed. Do you know how many people have stood in the walls of this auditorium and prayed for the blessing of God on this church? You sit right now in a seat that has been blessed. You live under the banner of blessing. It's all around us. And so what we see in the word of God is that God pronounces his blessing over us. You are a carrier of the Imago Dei. You are a carrier of the good, true, and beautiful DNA of your creator. You've received a piece of his divine nature. You've received a part of the incorruptible seed. It lives in you. Whether or not you live in awareness of it doesn't matter. It lives in you. And so spiritual formation is becoming more like our father, yes, but also more like who we were meant to be. <clears throat> and so also woven all through the word of God 
is the idea of when you receive a blessing, you then what? Give a blessing. God said to Abraham, I am gonna make you, I'm gonna bless you and you will bless the rest of the world. In the, in the original language, it's a little bit sassy, that command. It's a little bit like you can uh, have dessert, but then you're going to bed. It's kind of that thing. And so he says, I'm gonna make you a blessing. I'm gonna give you a blessing and make you a blessing. He's gonna give you a blessing and he's gonna make you a blessing. Um, and it sounds hard. It's, it's hard because it's hard to bless people. Sometimes it's hard to bless the people you love. It's really hard to bless the people you don't love. It's really, really hard. And it's, it, you can feel unqualified and you can feel unwilling. You can feel like I don't have anything with which to bless people. I don't have anything people need. I've got nothing to bless people with. <clears throat> it looks to me that the children of Israel felt the same way as they prepared to inhabit the land they had been circling for 40 years. God is about to give them an imperative as they enter this good and beautiful land. And it seems that he knows they also feel unqualified or unwilling because listen to how he sets this up. He says, for this commandment, which I command you today, is not too difficult for you, nor is it out of your reach. It is not in the heaven that you should say, who will go up to heaven for us and get it and make us hear it, that we may observe it. Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will cross the sea for us and get it for us and make us hear it, that you may observe it. I love when God's a tiny bit sarcastic. But the word, listen, is very near you. It is in your mouth and it is in your heart that you may observe it. That listen to what the word is. This word that is in you, in your heart, and in your very own mouth is, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, the blessing and the curses. So choose life in order that you may live, you and your descendants. You contain blessing. It is in your heart and in your mouth. It is in you where you sit right now. Even if you came in here really frustrated this morning, you contain a supernatural blessing that you can impart to the world around you. The promise of blessing in the Bible almost always comes packaged up with a command to be a blessing, to give a blessing. To bless someone is to give this generous gift of peace. <clears throat> I think to bless someone is to love them without fear. I'd, I'm gonna give you the blessing and then I'm gonna step away and not worry about what you do with it. I'm not gonna worry about what God does with it. I'm not gonna even worry about whether or not you deserve it. I'm just gonna give it. Henry Nouwen said, the blessed one always blesses. The blessed one always blesses. So it's easy to say, harder to do, because sometimes when I look at someone's life and they're really messing it up, I don't want to bless them. I don't want them to confuse my blessing with approval for their behavior. I wanna withhold something so they know they're not okay. But actually, the blessed one always blesses. We don't bless bad behavior. We bless the image of God inside people who were created by God. We speak to the blessing God has already pronounced over their life when he knit them together in their mother's womb. We bless them with peace because peace helps us see our way clear out of bad behavior often. So 
Couple of things to know about blessing. The first one, we mentioned it, we live in a blessed creation. Because we're aware of how deeply blessed we are, we are able to give blessing generously. There is no scarcity. We don't have to worry that I'm giving too much away, that I'm making people think I like them too much. We can afford to just generously scatter blessing everywhere. I I have found myself sometimes, I think I've told you this before, when I'm frustrated with someone and the way they're behaving, that I don't, like they'll say something on Facebook or Instagram and I don't wanna like it. And I'm like, liking a Facebook post is literally the least I could do. I could do no less for them. And yet something in me goes, I I just wanna withhold that. I wanna withhold my approval. I wanna withhold my blessing over whatever it is that I don't think is okay. But actually, blessing releases more blessing. There is plenty of blessing to go around. We embrace a salvation that touches every part of our lives. When we are saved by God, it is not just about going to heaven. It's not just a little ticket for when you die. Jesus preaches one exegetical sermon in his career. And he doesn't even preach it. He just reads it. He unrolls the scroll in the temple and he says this. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. To release the oppressed. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he drops the mic and walks away. That's all he does. Just reads this scripture and then he's done. And he says, today I have fulfilled this. In your midst, the scripture, this is me. And so he's saying the salvation that I've come to give is gonna flow out into your right here, right now lives. It's gonna free captives. It's gonna heal sick people. It's gonna encourage sad people. It's gonna touch poor people. The salvation Jesus comes to give is for us right now. It's meant to change our lives, not just our destiny. It's meant to change our right now, right here lives. We're meant to live blessed lives. I think that the love of Jesus and the redemptive work of the cross is meant to flow into our feelings and thoughts and decisions. It's meant to flow into our our need and our relationships and the way that we handle them. Salvation is here for us, and if we are truly letting God work in our lives, it will also flow out of us. We can't save people. We're not Jesus. Just could we take a minute and be thankful that we're not Jesus? There is a God, and we're not it. It's so good. But when we, we do reflect him, we do demonstrate him to a watching world, The constant refrain in the New Testament is, the kingdom of heaven is near you. Sometimes he says the kingdom of heaven is in you. Remember the Deuteronomy scripture? This commandment that I give you is in your heart and in your mouth. It is in you. There is, uh, salvation is in you and it is ready to impact the way we bless our family and our friends and our enemies. True salvation empowers us to become people who bless instead of curse. People who choose life with our words and our money and our time and our muscles. Number three, we are carriers of his presence. John 20, <clears throat> 20 
Again, Jesus said to them, peace be with you. He's talking to the disciples here. As the Father has sent me, so also I am sending you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Was that just a way of Jesus killing time right after he comes from back from the dead? Nope. He's like, you need a deposit of something in your life because I am sending you to take this to the world. And that action resulted in what we have today. People who blessed and blessed and blessed and blessed until we land right here in a blessed place with blessed people. Luke 10 says, if you enter a town and they welcome you, eat whatever is set before you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. You have within you the DNA of the creator and it is blessed. You are blessed to speak healing and freedom and life. Worship and prayer immerses us in the character of the one who blessed us with salvation. We become like him as we receive his blessing. We bless others when we release them from false expectations and wrong burdens. I was thinking, I was gonna back up for a second. I was thinking how we're carriers of the presence of God. There's a scripture in Luke 22, I think, where Jesus sits down with his disciples right before he dies and he says to them this line, That gives me goosebumps every time. He says, I bestow upon you a kingdom. Jesus gives his disciples a kingdom. And then you wonder like, what would that kingdom be like? What does the kingdom look like? What does it feel like? Where is it at? And then he says what it is. He says, just like the one my father gave me. So if somebody told me that I had won a weekend at Kensington Palace, and I could do whatever I wanted there, and they hand me the keys to the kingdom, I'm telling you, it wouldn't take me 24 seconds to book my ticket. I would fly there, and I would throw open the doors, and I would run through the halls, and I would find those jewels, and I would see how they make the coffee, and I would give the prince a little advice, because that's just what I do, I'm a mom. I would want to see everything inside that kingdom and I would want to take some stuff home, not just for me, but for the people I love. Because when you have access to a kingdom, you don't need to worry about, is somebody trying to take my iPhone? Is somebody trying to steal my car? Is somebody trying to get my stuff? You have access to a whole kingdom. And this is what Jesus just said to us. You possess a kingdom. It is near you. It could be in you. Look at all the spoils you have to give away. What are they? What do we have to give to this world? There is no scarcity in Jesus. We should stop being afraid of it. And if I had lots of food in the kingdom of Kensington Palace and I walked out the door and I saw starving people, I wouldn't say, no food for you. This is just for the people who live in the palace. Well, I'll give you this food as long as you prove to me that you tried to get food on your own. Well, I'll give you this food as long as you prove to me that you're really taking some cooking lessons. No, I'm gonna first bless you with nourishment and then let God do the rest. First, we bless. 
We bless others when we release them from false burdens and wrong expectations. Some of you that are married probably need to do this. You need to just have a, not even a conversation. You can just make the statement to your spouse. I release you from being the boss of my happiness. I release you from any false expectations I have put on your life for my happiness and I free you and bless you with peace in the name of Jesus. Some of you need to release your kids. I release you from choosing the career that I wanted for you or the education that I wanted from you or the girlfriend that I want for you. I release you from my expectations and I give you over to the plan of God for your life. I see the good, the true, the beautiful in you. Sometimes it takes a lot of faith to say that. Sometimes you can't see it on the outside. You have to have prophetic vision to see inside and say, I'm calling to the part of you that I know God has put in you because I know he is at work in you. I know it. And so I'm gonna step back and let him do his job. That is a blessing. It's a blessing. We release each other when we bless people with freedom to not make us happy. Luke 11 says, woe to you as well, experts in the law. He replied, you weigh men down with heavy burdens, but you yourselves will not lift a finger to lighten the load. I don't wanna go through life weighing people down with heavy burdens. You might need to say to someone this week, I release you. I affirm that you are loved unconditionally. That might be all you can say to a child or a parent or a sibling. I affirm that you are loved unconditionally. That's all I know. I don't know the answer to your problem. I don't know how to get you free from your addiction. I don't know how to fix the things you're facing. But here's what I know. God is for you. We bless when we forgive and let go of offense. I love the story of the woman who comes and pours her oil out on Jesus' feet and it's her whole life savings and she gives it all to him. You know what's not in that story ever? A place where God asked her to do it. She didn't have a word. She didn't have a thing. I mean, if you sit in church sometimes and you're like, I feel like I should write a check to For the City Initiative, but I don't know if God's told me to or not. Just pour it out. Pour it out. See what it'll do. I mean, that's, that's my idea. Um, <laughs> but Jesus, the people are saying this is absurd. She just wasted all this money. And Jesus says, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You didn't give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. We bless when we forgive and let go of mistakes. We bless when we affirm the good, the true, the beautiful in someone. Jesus really knew Peter. He knew him. He knew all about him. He knew what he had done. He knew his shady track record. And he knew that he was gonna eventually deny him and run away from his cross in his darkest moment. And yet, Jesus has this moment where he sees to the solid rock inside of Peter. And he says, you are Peter. 
and upon this rock I will build my church. And indeed, Peter holds the weight of the early church. Peter, from that blessing, stands in Jerusalem just days after Jesus' crucifixion and preaches to thousands. The blessing of Jesus over Peter's life changes who he is. Jesus, from the cross, pronounces a blessing over the people who are holding the hammers. Forgive them. It's a blessing. We bless the good in others like Jesus blessed the loaves and the fish and multiplied it to feed thousands. We bless the good in others because we have been blessed so extravagantly. We bless the good in others because it releases us to more freedom and more forgiveness. Do you not know how to give a blessing? I understand that. Sometimes I wonder, but the Bible is a great place to start. One beautiful blessing is found in Jude 1 verse 2. Mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. I'm just, I'm just gonna splash mercy, peace, and love all over you. Mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Another one is in Luke 10, 5. Whenever, whatever house you enter, begin by saying peace to this house. Just begin there. But my favorite blessing is one we already sang about this morning and we're gonna return to it. It's out of Numbers. And frankly, I don't get to preach out of Numbers very often, so this is kind of the highlight of Numbers. <laughs> then the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you bless the Israelites. And I just wanna say to you, I think God would be okay with me saying this morning, this is how you bless your people. Say to them, may the Lord bless and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance toward you and give you peace. So they shall put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. I will bless them. I went through a <clears throat> season <clears throat> of listening to this song we're gonna sing over and over again on my trips between Bend and Portland because in 2019, I got married and, and took on 10 kids. Um, I have four and my husband has six. And um, I just wanted to love him well. And I didn't know how. And I didn't know how to pray. And I frankly don't even know if I have time to pray for 10 kids. And so I was like, God, I don't know what to do. <laughs> so I would play this song over and over and over again. And instead of even singing it, I would let each name roll through my head and I would just imagine what would be the truest, most beautiful outcome of their lives. And it felt like this prophetic moment of joining with the blessing of God for Andrew, Ellie, Seth, and Lena, Whitney, Corey, Gray, and Finn, Tony, Tori, Marshall, Elizabeth, David, Tess, Renly, Nate, Chelsea, and Liam, Ethan, Evan, and Maddie, Josiah, and Morgan. Yeah, I had to read it. <laughs> Next service, I may try to wing it, we'll see. But I just let the Holy Spirit begin to speak some ideas and some dreams of his heart over them. And sometimes I shared it with them and sometimes I didn't. Mostly I just say to my kids, I love you and I bless you. I bless you. Do I disagree with some of them? Oh my goodness, yeah, sure. 
but I want to bless them. And so we're going to sing this song together, but I want to sing this song actively. We want to make this a moment where we can, in whatever way you want to, invite the Holy Spirit into the things that you are holding that maybe are hard to bless, maybe you feel a little frantic to bless, maybe you feel fear edging in on your love. To bless is to love without fear. And so I would love for you to just let some names roll through your head and let the Holy Spirit drop some faces into your spirit, faces of those that he's gonna call you to bless. Maybe it's a person that you have a really bad relationship with. Whatever it is, would you just listen and let him show up and let him speak into the generations that are gonna follow you because in 50 or 75 or 100 years, this room will still be full of people that we bless today. This is our mission to become people who are a blessing to our world.